tonight, open your Bible to Revelation chapter 20, the passage that Eric read a moment ago, Revelation chapter 20. And I want us to look at that for a moment. And the question tonight is a very simple one. And uh, this will not be a long message, but listen carefully to the words of the Word of God. In Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11, I repeat these words that Brother Eric read a moment ago. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The question tonight, do the saved and the lost appear at the same judgment bar? There are many people who believe and seem to teach that there is a general judgment, that everybody is headed out for a last roundup. And when we get there, everybody will appear before the judgment of bar of God, and there it will be decided whether you go to heaven or go to hell. Now that's a prevalent teaching. I've had a number of funerals that I've shared with other ministers, and perhaps they'll ask me to read the scripture or pray. And then invariably they come and say something out of a little prayer book that talks about a general judgment when everybody, including this person has just died and everybody all through the world will all be brought before God and they'll be judged and it will be decided then whether they go to heaven or hell. Now the question that I wanna lay on your heart tonight is that what the Bible teaches? Or does the Bible teach something else? In order for us to understand, we need to look at the, at the five judgments that are spoken of in the scripture. Turn first in your Bible to John chapter five. John chapter five, and look at verses 22 through 24. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, who hath sent him. Now notice verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, this is Jesus speaking, and believeth on him that sent me, hath, present tense, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now over and over again in the scripture we read, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And Jesus is saying, only those that hear the voice of the Son of God will rise in that judgment. Now in John chapter 12, listen to this. 
in John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I want to submit to you tonight that when Jesus died on the cross, he was judged for the sins of everyone who would believe upon him. And so our sins were placed on Christ. And the meaning of trusting Christ as our Savior means that we believe that what Jesus did when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago was enough judgment for my sins and the sins of everyone who would believe on Christ. He paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. And so when you come to trust Christ as your Savior, what you're really doing is you're believing that what Jesus did on the cross was a substitute for you. He took your judgment in his place, in your place, and he died for you. He who knew no sin literally became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so the believer has this advantage. His sins have already been judged. He's not going to a judgment after death to determine what to do about going to heaven or hell. That was settled at the cross. Chris stood here a moment ago and told about coming to the cross and trusting Christ. And Christ gave him that blessed assurance. Every believer who has put his faith in Christ has had his sins forgiven, past, present, and future. Listen, if only our past sins are forgiven, that's totally unscriptural. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense because Jesus died 2,000 years ago. If he just died for our past sins, what about our future sins? What about our present sins? Would he have to come and die all over again for those? I tell you nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish, is what Jesus said. And what he meant was, except you repent of the sin of unbelief and put your trust in the living Christ who died on a cross for your sins, you have no hope, no hope forever and forever. And you'll be out at that great white throne judgment that we read about in Revelation. And so, if you've been saved, if you've given your heart to Christ, your sins are already atoned for. They're already forgiven. They're already cleansed. They're under the blood. They have been judged. And you're not going to be judged for those sins again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, turn in your Bible to the passage in Revelation 20 that we just read. This is the other end of the, of, of the line, you might say. This is for those who have never trusted Christ as Savior. And he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. That is, every sin, every transgression that we commit is written in the books of God. He knows all about it. And unless those sins are forgiven and erased by the blood of Christ, you're going to meet them again out of the judgment of the great white throne. You'll be judged by, out of those books. It is like this. I don't know what kind of books God keeps. They don't look like these, I'm sure. 
But in the books, God has every secret sin, everything you did in the, in the, in the darkness, everything you did and nobody knew about it, every little sin you've committed, it's all written in the books. And if you don't have your sins forgiven before death, if you don't take them to Jesus and trust him to forgive and cleanse you from sin, then you're going to meet those sin, sins at the great white throne judgment and the things done in secret will be shouted openly. Everybody will know. Right now, there's sins that you've committed. Nobody knows about them. If you confess those sins and forsake them and turn them over to Christ, God forgives. He washes them as white as snow and you'll not meet them anymore. But if you fail to do that, if you fail to come to Christ, if you say no to God, no to Christ, no to the salvation, no to the God's invitation, and you say no, no, not today, some other day, and your heart quits beating, you'll go out, you'll die, your body will be in the grave, and when Christ issues that call for the great white throne judgment, you will come before that, and you'll have to give an account for your sins. And there'll be no chance, there'll be no forgiveness, there'll be no invitation, there'll be no gospel preached. All you will be asked is, why did you reject God's only remedy for sin? There's only one remedy, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you said no to that, you said no, 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 then Christ has no alternative but to say, depart from me into everlasting darkness. Now there's some other judgments in the Bible. And I want to mention them just in passing and then dwell on one of them. Look in Matthew chapter 25 for a moment. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all the nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them that are on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, and you gave me no food, you, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer and say, Lord, when, when did all this happen? I did not remember seeing you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you to drink. When saw we thee a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. What is he saying? He's saying, in this life, we need to treat God's people with respect and love and meet their needs and love them and help them. Notice these are the nations. And you come to verse 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed and everlasting fire, to prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, you visited me not. Then shall they also answer, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hunger and thirsty and stranger and, to, and naked and so on? Then shall the, he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it, not into one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Now, what is this all about? This is the judgment of the nations. It is a judgment of God's people as nations as to how they have treated the people of God. 
Now, we don't really have to wait till the end of the age to see what God is doing here. You just think of Hitler's Germany. Hitler's Germany tried to, excum tried to, to eliminate all the Jews. Now, the Jews are God's favored people. That doesn't mean they're saved unless they repent and give their hearts to Christ. But nonetheless, Jews are God's time clock. Every nation that has mistreated the Jews has been judged. There's no, been no exception. The Romans tried that. And they exterminated the Jews. And they drove them out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and put them all around the world. And Rome fell. In our own lifetime, we saw Hitler do that and put thousands of Jews in boxcars and ship them across the country to concentration camps and, and burn them up. He called it the final solution. And Hitler's Germany fell. Stalin tried the same thing in Russia. He hated the Jews. And he did everything he could to get rid of them. Stalin's gone and Russia fell. Soviet Union fell. All through the ages, there have been people who have attacked the people of God, Christians. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you'll read about special people of God who dared to take a stand, and they were hurt. They were cruelly, uh, uh, they, they, were, they were killed, and they were tortured, and so on. What happened to all those people that did all that? The Book of Revelation, we're studying it in Sunday school makes it clear that God has the final word. And in this 25th chapter of Matthew, Jesus is talking about the nations that will be assembled at the end of the age. And depending on how they've treated the people of God, they're going to be judged. Now let me pass quickly to, second, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'd like to dwell there for a few moments. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you'll turn there, notice... Jesus is writing here to a, a, Paul is writing to a carnal church, and he's talking about the uh, church, the, the Christians in that church who did not have any spiritual strength or power. They were carnal. Now, let's begin in verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11. Now, remember chapter 3, he says, I couldn't write unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. You're babes in Christ. You haven't grown up. You've just been carnal. And then he says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon the foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall test every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built upon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The judgment that is spoken of here is the one mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all, believers, talking about the Christians, believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he's done, whether it be good or bad. Now I want you to get the picture. First, the judgment is the judgment of the believer's sins that happened at Calvary. If you've been to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. If you have not been to Jesus and you die, you'll go out to the great white throne judgment. There's no hope forever. You'll be cast into the lake of fire forever. 
Now, there's another judgment for Christians. That judgment does not determine whether you go to heaven or hell. That was determined right here. A little boy came to Jesus this morning, Jeremy. That little fellow said he needed Christ. He asked Jesus to come into his heart. If he understood and meant that with all of his heart, the Holy Spirit came to live in his heart. His sins, past, present, and future, were judged when Jesus died on the cross. They're all there. He's forgiven. He will never be judged according to his sins. But there will be a judgment as to how he lives his life. That judgment doesn't depend, doesn't determine whether he goes to heaven or hell. That was determined when he came to Christ. It determines the rewards that he'll receive. And this scripture is talking about, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There's coming a judgment for believers. And this is a great burden on my heart tonight for all of us. Remember that the lost and the saved do not appear at the same judgment. The saved were present at Calvary when Christ died for our sins. I was there. The old song, it says, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Friend, if you have trusted Jesus, you were there. Your sins are paid for by the cross of Christ. If you have rejected Christ, if you have said no to him, then your sins are still on you. And you're going out to the great white throne judgment. And forever and forever, you'll be lost. That's the reason I press upon you tonight to trust Christ as your Savior. But every believer, we're going to face a judgment also. And this is called the judgment seat of Christ. It was pictured in Corinth. Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians. They knew what he was talking about. He called it the Bema judgment. In the city of Corinth, and if you should go there today, they would show you this. In the city of Corinth, there's a place where they used to have what was called town hall meetings. And there the city judge would call the people and they would be judged according to the way they were living their lives in the city of Corinth. And Paul said, you see that Bema judgment? Every one of us will appear before the Bema of Christ. And we'll have to give an account for what we did while we were in the body, whether we were good or bad, whether things were good or bad. Now I wanna give you an illustration of that tonight. Uh, with some of the things that I have here in this sack. I hope you'll be patient with me. I want to just talk to you a moment out of my heart, and I hope that this will give some illustration of what's going on and what will go on as we face the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there are some people, I'm talking about Christians now, believers. Some of you won't like what I'm going to do. It's all right, I love you. I want to tell you, some people, God's people, get their lives all mixed up in sexual problems. And they look at all these pinups and they just lust and lust and lust. They build their lives out of that. Well, they say, I'm saved. I came to Christ, trust Him as my Savior. I want to show you what's going to happen. You build your life out of that. And here's what's going to happen. It's all going to be burned up. 
and all the things that you thought you were doing that would be a blessing, it's all a mess. Wood, hay, and stubble doesn't amount to a thing. It's all going to be burned up. A rusty old halo saved yet so is by fire. Now there are some people and they're Christians who spend their whole life as sports enthusiasts. Rebecca Hall sang a while ago, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I won't know if we really mean that. There are a lot of people say, they can say that in church. But their, their whole life is built out of sports. And look what's going to happen to that. It's all going to be consumed. It won't amount to a thing. I think the Lord's going to keep us from catching anything on fire tonight. Now listen to this. There are some people that just build their lives out of entertainment. They go to this entertainment and this entertainment and this picture show and some other picture show and some other thing. They just do that all the time because that's all they have to do. They don't care anything about God. They can hardly wait to get to the latest movie and so on. I want to show you what happens to that. It all gets consumed. You come before the throne of God, the dumb judgment of Christ, and you say, now, Lord, I was a Christian, but I sure was consumed with entertainment. It all burn up. Won't amount to a thing. And there are a lot of people who invest their lives in money. Man, they love money. E pluribus unum. Money, 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 money. And so they have all this money. Here's a $50 bill. Here's a $1,000 bill. I've never seen one of those, but they have them and they stash them away, maybe in the, in the Swiss banks or in the banks in America and so on. And they just, they're just secure in their money. I want to show you what's going to happen to their money. At the judgment seat of Christ, it'll all be burned up. Won't amount to a thing. No matter how beautiful it is, doesn't amount to a thing. It's all be consumed. You see there, all that you invested your life in, just thrown away. It's gone. Now there are some people that say, well, I want famous. I want to be famous. I don't care what price I have to pay. I want to be famous. And so they set their goal to be famous in life. And I have a little a paper here that, that commits that gives people fame and fortune. I'm going to tell you, fame is fleeting as the wind and glory fades away. You build your life out of fame and you come to the end of the way. It's going to all be consumed and burned. It won't amount to a thing. And all that you have poured your life into will be wasted. It'll all be gone because you didn't put Christ first. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be his. There your fame goes. Same way with popularity. Boy, I want to be popular. It all goes in the trash heaps. Wood, hay, and stubble. And then there are some people, you know, that say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to church. 
But I'm not going to be bound to just one church. I'll just visit this church and that church, and I'll visit around and, and so on. And they get so confused. They go to one church, say, I don't like that church. Services are too long. Go to another church, say, I don't really like that. Uh, they don't have enough to entertain our kids with. They go to another church, and they say, well, they're too old-fashioned at that church. They go to another church, and they say, well, all they're doing is asking for money all the time. And they go to another church, they don't like the pastor. They go to another church, and, uh, well, they don't really know what's wrong with that church. They just don't like it. They get confused. And you know what? You get to the judgment seat of Christ, and you say, no, Lord, I went to church all the time. And Jesus will say, were you faithful? Were you loyal? Did you find one church and stick there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Were you there all the time? Were you faithful? And all your church going and all your infidelity will be burned up. You mean Christians will be like that? Yeah. That's what this book says. You build your life out of wood, hay, and stubble when you get to the judgment seat of the great, of, of, the, of, of the, the Bema judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ, everything you've built out of wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up, and you'll be saved so as by fire. See, you're not saved by going to church. You're not saved by not, uh, by, by not drinking, or, or you're not saved because you don't sin, and so on. You can, you can have that stuff in your life, but you'll have to give an account for it. But then I have something else here. I have a stone that says, uh, this stone represents my commitment to Christ. And I want to show you what happens when I try to burn this stone. What happens? The fire beats on it and 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 beats on it. And what happens? The fire goes out. The stone remains. That's when you build your life out of gold, silver, and precious stones. Which do you want to do? The saved and the lost are not going to appear at the same judgment. Every saved person will have to give an account before the throne of God of what you did with your time, your talents, your life, your loyalty. We can't possibly be loyal to everything. You have to find one thing to be loyal to. A man can't possibly be loyal and faithful to two or three different women. He has to find one and stick to that all of his life. A woman can't be faithful and loyal to three or four different men. She has to find one. And I'm going to tell you the selection process is difficult. I want to advise young people, don't ever even go with somebody you couldn't marry. And if you're doing it presently, get out of that fellowship immediately, quickly, and find somebody that God would enable you to marry and spend your lifetime loving and so on. Because you can't be faithful to a bunch of different people. Same way with church. You can't be loyal and faithful to four or five different churches. You need to find one church, stay there, build your whole life around that work, and, and get in it and stay there. God blesses you when you do that. And you get confused when you do it the other way. And you're, you're really, your talents, and don't, you don't count for very much. I think of, of Beverly Shea. Beverly Shea was offered a contract with the opera and would have meant a lot of money. 
he, he, his mother was a wonderful friend of his. It's wonderful when your parents can be your friends. And he, he was a friend. His mother was a friend to him, and he shared this with his mother. His mother didn't nag. She was a wise, godly woman. She found the clipping of the poem that Rebecca sang a while ago, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. She put it on the piano. She knew that every night when Bev Shea came in late, he would sit down at the piano and play a little bit. She put that poem on the piano. Bev Shea came home that night. In his mind, he wanted that money that he would get from the contract with the opera. God had given him a wonderful voice. He began to play and he noticed the poem. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And somehow God gave him the melody and he wrote that night the music to that great song. The next morning, he said to his mother, Mother, come to the piano. I want to tell you what my decision is. And he began to sing, as only Bev Shea can sing. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Now I want to know what you're going to do with the talents of your life. What are you going to do with it? You want to give it to the world, the flesh, and the devil? Elvis Presley started out singing gospel songs down in West Tennessee in a church. Somebody invited him to sing a popular song. He had never done it before. He went and sang that popular song, and everybody swooned over him and loved him, and, and it appealed to him. He wanted that kind of fame and popularity. Every once in a while, all through his life, he'd sing some gospel song, How Great Thou Art, or something. But most of his songs were, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. He started the, he started the, the sex revolution. One girl wrote to him after he'd been in Detroit and said, Dear Elvis, thank you for coming to Detroit. Before you came, I was a virgin. No longer am I a virgin. I want to ask you, what do you want your life to count for? When you get before the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be there. The lost won't be there. You're going to be there. And the question is going to be, what did you do with your gifts, your talents, all the time you had? What did you do through life's little while? Remember, eternity is forever, forever and forever. We have about 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years here. Some of us don't even have that long. What are you going to do with this little while here? Are you going to honor Christ with your life? Are you going to offer it to Him? Are you going to say, Lord, take the sticks of my life, use me for Thy glory and honor? I am saved and I want to serve you. Can you say that to him? Or are you going to be like all that? Wood, hay, and stubble. You get before the throne of God and it's all burned up. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's bow together in prayer. A friend, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, you're not going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to the white throne judgment. There'll be no opportunity. There'll be no gospel invitation. Nobody will be there who cares. It will be just judgment. 
You'll be asked for a reason why you rejected Christ. You can say, well, I thought I'd put it off till the next day or next week, or I thought I'd sow my wild oats for a little while, or I'm not ready to give this or that up, or I just...